What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Inside the Five. I'm Griff. I'm Stav. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about the NBA playoffs, specifically our beloved Boston Celtics in their series in the first round against the Atlanta Hawks, as well as covering a variety of the other series in the NBA right now. Stav, what do we say? Let's do it. Hey everybody, welcome back to Inside the Five. Let's get things started talking about our beloved Boston Celtics up 2-0 against the Atlanta Hawks. Griff, let's start with by talking about game one. It was a dominant win. Um, there's no way around it. The Hawks did kind of make it a game in the third quarter, but the first half the Celtics were up 30. And after that point, it never really felt like a contest. Yeah, and... um. That's exactly what we were expecting, and that's exactly, I want to say, what we needed. Um, mm-hmm. This series is a statement for the Boston Celtics, and specifically, I want to say Jason Tatum, and we'll talk about his Game 2 performance, um, but I'm not mad with how he performed in Game 1. And obviously, Jalen Brown led our team in scoring with 29 points. Um, Jason Tatum did his thing, um, and that's going to be really the marquee guy that I'm looking for because it, with every championship team stuff, um there's you you have to have that one guy right who's going to hit those big shots and you know towards the end of the season we had a lot of questions on this team of honestly do we want Jalen Brown taking these shots and um throughout the first two games specifically Jason Tatum has been doing his thing uh making me a very happy man um and this I mean was exactly what we needed to do coming out in game one uh first game of the playoffs in the garden electric as always and I mean just put our foot on their heads and see see where we go with that and um i do want to say that this atlanta hawks team has thrown a variety of different looks at the boston celtics they've gone small ball they've gone big um which big just doesn't work for them because they don't have bigs it it didn't make sense they had like okongwu uh at the three at points in time um with like i i saw okongwu capella and John Collins on the court at the same time. Doesn't make sense, but they, they, they're they trying to do their thing. Uh, and then obviously, as I said, we'll talk about game two in a little bit, what, what they did. They switched it up in a variety of different ways. Still didn't work, but, I mean, just a dominant performance when we're talking about game one. Yeah, and not only did Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum – I mean, they combined for 49 points. That's excellent. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. They combined for more than 30. They combined for 54. 50, yeah, 54. Bad math real quick by me right there. But the surrounding guys really did step up and play a huge role into this. I mean, Derek White scored 24 points on a very efficient 7 of 13, grabbed some rebounds as well, along with assisting the ball with seven assists. But you look at the starting lineup, um, everyone was passing the rock. Smart had seven assists. Derek White had seven assists. Jalen Brown had three. Horford had two. Tatum had two. And even off the bench, Everyone had multiple assists besides really Sam Hauser, who played a limited role in game one. But everyone's really stepping up to the plate and contributing. And that starts with even some of the role players as well. Robert Williams coming off the bench, in which we saw him in the starting lineup last playoff run. But he said it himself. He doesn't. He just wants to win. He doesn't care if he comes off the bench. And he's playing a huge pivotal role. He looks like he's back to himself, playing, it, playing as that enforcer down low. 
blocking shots, grabbing rebounds. And every time we feed it to him in the paint, it just seems like it's an easy lay. And that goes for everybody as well. Every time the Celtics attack the paint, the Hawks have no answer. They're too small, and they don't have a good interior presence, which was kind of surprising in my opinion because they have guys like Clint Capella who really are are supposed to be enforcers down low. Clint Capella, we saw in that playing game, he grabbed, what, 25 rebounds against the Heat? So if they can limit his presence, this should be a sweep or they should win in five games. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, and um, I kind of just want to wrap the points. Let's talk a little bit about game two as well. We can just talk about, uh, you know, what we see in the series in general. Um, Mm -hmm. Game two at the beginning of the game, I thought, like, I was like, oh, this is the Robert Williams game. I mean, they the way that basketball is played in the NBA right now, there's no better team to be than the Boston Celtics because they can match up with everybody on defense. One through five can guard one through five. And when you're looking at this Atlanta Hawks team, like you said, Clint Capella is supposed to be their enforcer down low. He's a bit too slow for Robert Williams. He's even a bit too slow for Al Horford. And it, it just doesn't work. And John Collins, um, even though, you know, he gets up there, you see some cool slam dunks and all that stuff. Um, he, he's a bit undersized for his position. And sometimes they run him at the five. Onyeko Kongwu, who's also a five, is, I think, about 6'10", undersized as well. And that helps us out a lot because, you know, we're an undersized team. Our tallest dude is Luke Cornett, who doesn't see the court. Um, that allows Robert Williams to really step into the space, come off the bench, play 20, 25 minutes, uh, and, and put up a little Rob Will stat line of four for four from the field – or four for four or five from the field, excuse me. He had eight points. His presence was definitely felt in the first half. They didn't use him that much in the second half. And that's kind of when Atlanta started to go on a little bit of a run at the end of the, at the end of that third quarter. Um, the Celtics were in, in game two, were just on. And yep. he uh, or Rob Will, I was looking at his game one stat line the whole time, my fault. Um, but Rob Will in that first half really set them apart, really got them going offensively because you could just give him the ball down low. He was wide open off of mismatches. And even if he wasn't wide open, he was just putting it up over everybody else because that size matches up. That opens up so much spacing. It it, it puts a focus on him as an offensive threat. But, oh, wait, there's Derek White. There's Jalen Brown, uh, Marcus Smart. Uh, obviously JT and Al Horford, who, I mean, has been electric in the playoffs so far. Um, These guys are, you know, meshing off of each other very well right now, and they are playing very, very, very good team basketball. And that's, you know, what we saw last season uh, after January stopped and what we saw at the beginning of this season. And like I said, we we were a bit scared. You know, we didn't get the one seed. We were expecting to, you know, set records at the beginning of this season. Um, this is the type of basketball that we've been waiting for. And, um, you know, you could say it came at the right time, but you know how I am, Stav. We're only two games deep, and I'm not, you know, I'm not settled with this series yet. I'm not going to call it a sweep yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very, very not nervous, but I just don't want to repeat, you know, history. I, I'm, yeah, I am nervous. We, you know, why we're here. Um, We'll talk about, you know, other teams in the Eastern Conference, but it's looking like that yellow brick road is is really, you know, it's looking like we're finding our way to it right now. And, I mean, the the Hawks suck. Like, we haven't talked about the Hawks that much. They suck. And yeah, I, there's nothing to say about the Hawks. Like, no. in a way, they've just – like, everything that we've expected from the Atlanta Hawks has come true. And what's very interesting, in my opinion, about Game 2 specifically – Everybody on the Hawks starting five, besides 
Clint Capella and Trey Young had a positive plus minus. What does that say? Trey Young has, I mean, I saw this tweet. I forgot who tweeted it out over Trey Young's last like seven playoff games. He's been abysmal. And a poll recently came out with the most overrated player in the NBA by NBA players anonymously. And I think it was like a 24% of them said that Trey Young was the most overrated out of like that. Although that doesn't sound like a, a substantial amount, that There's is 24 players in the NBA. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> Trey Young really has been disappointing up to this point. And he's not, he, yeah, he's scoring. He shot nine of 22, he shot two of eight from three in game two. He had five turnovers, and a lot of them came at crucial times. The Hawks started off this game, they were up 22 to nine, I think, to open up the game. And everyone's like, oh shit, here, like, this is going to be a good game. It's going to be interesting. And then the Celtics went on a 14 and 0 run to end the first quarter, capped off by a Malcolm Brogdon half court shot. So that was big. Trey Young is supposed to be this guy who everyone was saying, oh, this is the first win-win trade in NBA history when talking about the in-draft trade of Trey Young and Luka Doncic. Um, it's not even close. The Mavericks killed the Hawks in that trade. And Trey Young, why I don't understand. He just shoots stupid shots at the wrong time. Like there's a certain time and place where you can pull up from half court and it's not in a playoff game and you're down 10. And he consistently does it. And then you have guys like uh, guys like DeJounte Murray, who DeJounte's been playing well. Um, yes. Game two especially, he was hitting his shots. He was hitting his mid-range shots. He was keeping the Hawks in it in that second half. The Hawks actually outscored the Celtics in the third quarter, which yep. back-to-back games, that's what's happened. And it's been led by DeJounte Murray. And, and I do want to say specifically in that third quarter, um, something that you can take positively out of that third quarter was usually the reason why the Celtics lose uh, in this quarter specifically is once they come out of halftime, they usually go on like maybe like a four or five minute lull coming out out of the locker room. This time that wasn't really the case. It was kind of the opposite of that where towards the end of the third quarter, the Hawks started to pick up a bit. And obviously the the Celtics have or had kind of control throughout the whole game. There was moments where, you know, they were um, only up nine, I think maybe seven at one point or six points towards the end of the third quarter, maybe early in the fourth. Um, but my whole point going into that is, um, you know, we're usually used to them coming out, playing flat to come out in that third quarter. It's good that that wasn't the case. Um, you know, if you want to take any positives out of that. And I do want to say though that the way that the Atlanta Hawks played was different than they played in game one. It was different than they played against the Miami heat. They're trying to, match up against the Celtics, which is not something that you can do. You have to kind of find your control in the game, and maybe that will be a little bit easier in Atlanta. But they were trying to match uh, the Celtics with, you know, their three-point shooting ability, and um, they kind of overdid it. They shot 48 threes as a team. They made 16 stuff. Um, it, it, it was putrid towards the end of the game, especially they were kind of just jack, jacking up threes and – Bogdanovich, I mean, I think he finished with like 15 points and he, he might have made four threes or something like that. Um, it, it, it just – this team doesn't work. This isn't a, a, a championship caliber team, even at the ceiling of their players. I'd, I'd say the highest ceiling on this team is DeJounte Murray. I think that um, DeJounte Murray on a team, if they were hypothetical situation to trade Trey Young – I think that they would become a lot better of a team. Trey Young, like you said, he just takes stupid shots at the wrong moments in time, and his plus-minus 
totally, I mean, totally helps out our point. Minus 18, that's the lowest on the team, and that's your all-star, superstar player. I have his basketball shoes just because yeah. they're comfortable. But, I mean, I don't know if I want his basketball shoes anymore. He went minus 18 in a playoff game. You're supposed to be a superstar. How, how are you, How are you? you know, um, doing these things? How are you going two from eight from three? You're supposed to be the next Steph Curry, right? Yeah. Um, it, 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 there's just a whole lot of different points that you can make um, not in favor of Trey Young at this moment in time, and there's not many – points that you can make in favor of uh, of him he's really not you know supporting his own case for saying that you know i'm one of the best point cards in the league because right yeah. now it's clearly shown that he's not 100 percent, and we're only talking about his offensive deficiencies which that should be his strength right yeah because i mean because we already know the defensive deficiencies yes. you know? terrible and what really the celtics have been doing to trey young and they've been pestering him they've been and, making him uncomfortable yes. Marcus Smart, Derek White, picking him up full court, Malcolm Brogdon sometimes. And whenever that they get the switch that they want, hypothetically, they get a lot of pick and rolls, getting Sam Hauser to guard him. Sam Hauser's even holding his Sam own Hauser, yeah. really good pressure defense, forcing turnovers, which you don't expect out of your eighth guy off the or your eighth guy, essentially. And he's been playing well defensively. They have a game plan and it's working. And the Hawks really don't have an answer because there is nothing to respond to physicality. If you're not physical, you're not physical, and there's no way if stands or butts about it. There's no way around it. If you're not physical, you cannot perform, and the Celtics are being more physical, and they're taking it to the Atlanta Hawks. And that wraps up games one and two. But, Griff, I'm curious as to hear what you think the Celtics need to do to sweep the Hawks going to Atlanta. Um, It's as simple as this. It's all about the defensive assignments. And I would have Derek White on Trey Young. You think of Trey Young, you think of two facets of his game. It's his ability to get to the paint in his floater game, right? And then obviously his three-point shot creating ability. Um, Trey Young, whether you like it or not, one of the best in the league when it comes to floaters. You know who else is one of the best in the league when it comes to floaters? Derek White. Derek White, such a defensive-minded guy. I noticed uh, specifically in game two, Trey Young – was, I mean, completely lost when it came to finding his way into the paint. Once he got into the paint, Derek White knew exactly what to do to make him comfortable. I think that is a perfect matchup. I think Derek White is the perfect person, not only on the Celtics, but in the NBA to guard Trey Young. Um, I would love Marcus Smart on DeJounte Murray. And my focus for this, uh, you know, going to Atlanta is using their lack of size um, and their lack of speed with their size to our advantage. I need big games from Rob Will. I need big games from Al Horford, especially Al Horford, um, because I think that he has the biggest mismatch on the court whenever Clint Capella is guarding him. He can walk right past him. When John Carlin is guarding him too, he can outmuscle him. I mean, Al Horford is the true um, dark horse in this series to really get the job done. And going back to Atlanta, what, what better of a time for Al Horford to really stand out stand up in round one against his old team. I think it's the perfect time. I'm watching Al Horford the rest of the series. Yeah, 100%. And really what the Celtics did last year, I felt as at least when they were going through the road woes of the playoffs because road, road playoff games aren't easy to win, regardless of the matchup. They really relied on their veterans. They really relied on Al Horford last year. What sticks out to me was game five. No, I'm sorry, game four in Milwaukee where he erupted, he was the energy there. And I'm not saying it's going to be a similar type of atmosphere. I mean, the Hawks, they're selling tickets for $36 to the playoff game. You can't get into TD Garden for less than $175. And 
Uh, it's going to be a rowdy environment in the beginning. So it really just comes down to your stars and your veterans propelling the younger guys who haven't been in a situation like this. Even a guy like Malcolm Brogdon hasn't really been in this high of a leverage situation in the role that he's playing for the Celtics. Sam Hauser included some other guys as well. We're really going to rely on the bench or the, the veterans and we're going to rely on our superstars to really, you got to get off to a quick start on the road. And I think that's going to be the key. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if the Hawks took one of these games just because the NBA doesn't like sweeps, but I also wouldn't really be surprised if the, if the Celtics just went in, took care of business. They won by exactly 13 in games one and two and they've dominated. They've never been in doubt. And that really hasn't been the case throughout the NBA though. I really want to talk about, well, I know we're kind of jumping conferences here, but I'm really Mm -hmm. eager to talk about this series, what we're seeing between the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I mean, let's do it. And um, I would say, you know, we were talking about uh, what series to to look out for. And I think in the Western Conference, we were specifically focused on the Clippers and Suns. And we also shed some light on this series and it hasn't get disappointed and we'll start in game one the first home game that sacramento has had in 478 years um since Pedro stojakovic was in the coal mines of serbia um no but um what an electric game game one was and it was a three-point victory um a ton of scoring in this game if you had the over you were a happy man that night and you know i obviously we have to start off if we're talking about game one with talking about De'Aaron Fox, obviously his first playoff appearance of all time. He did not disappoint. Uh, they lit the beam. It, it, I mean, this is America's team right now, Stav. And mm-hmm. going up against the Warriors, who are terrible on the road, which is what, I mean, pretty much all that we've talked about with the Warriors. Um, th- this was their chance, in my opinion, was game one, um, was to go out there, put up a shit ton of points, and see what they could do. And, and the Kings combated that. Um, they matched the scoring quite well, and, and they went out and, and they won the game. And it, it could be a three-point win, Stav. It could be a 15-point win. You're up one nothing in the series right now. You haven't been there. Nobody on the team has really been there except for Harrison Barnes um, and, and a couple other guys, Matthew Delavadova, who doesn't play, um, which I was saying he should come in to stop Curry. I just feel like that makes sense. Oh, 100%. And like, why does he not? Why yeah. is he at least like, at least like, you know, Five. they weren't up big in game two, but if they go up big in a game and you know, when uh, a team's up big, the losing team, it's like maybe like four or five minutes left. They still have their starters in. The winning team brings in their bench mob a little bit early. Let's see Delva Dova on Curry. Yeah. That's like kind Curry of the biggest pissed. thing that I've been he thinking of. So pissed. He would be so, and Delva Dova would be all in his face. Yeah. Pick him up full court, he'd do whatever. But, Game one was absolutely electric, and guys like De'Aaron Fox, who really did get the shine as he deserved, but I want to talk about Malik Monk as well and what he did in this game. He put up 32 points, and when you can have your starting point guard and one of your bench guards combined for 70, that's a really good recipe to win. And Sabonis really didn't have that good of a game. He went 5 of 17. I know he put up 12. He grabbed 16 boards, had a few steals here and there. I mean, but – he didn't really shoot that well. And when you can't get your number two guy to produce at the pace as your number one guy, it's really kind of a recipe. All right, who's going to step up? Who's going to make that play? And it was Malik Monk all night long. Him, um, Harrison Barnes had some electric dunks. He, you know, he, it looked like he was taking out some aggression on the Golden State Warriors, which was kind of funny to see. But um, 
Alex Len as well, a guy who I forgot was on the Kings, has had a decent series. You know, he his play style doesn't really support – or his defensive style doesn't really compete well with the Golden State because no one really on Golden State besides Kevon Looney is someone who's going to camp in the paint. And that's what uh, Alex Len does essentially. But he's doing well defending the pick and roll – and the shout out to Sacramento Kings up 2-0 on the defending champion. The first time in the Curry era that they are down 2-0. Is that true? Yes. I actually didn't even know that. And I, um, I'm i glad that you mentioned that because going into game three stuff, I think that there's absolutely no chance that the Warriors lose. I think that this is not just a must-win game, but this is a will-win game. I actually like – I am so confident, and Vegas is so confident in it too – they're favored by six points in this game. And I'm not saying that Golden State's going to uh, go off from here on out, end up winning the series. Um, but, I mean, I just want to hear your side on this because I, I I think that in game three specifically, I would even say maybe even in game four, that there's almost no chance that Golden State loses. I think that this is the series. It, it could go seven. It, it really couldn't. Just the home team wins it every single time. They can't lose. Like, it's one of those things where – we're so conditioned to see the Golden State Warriors prevail in these situations, right? But I kind of want to go back into a point that I noticed in game one. The Warriors hit those Warriors threes, right? Where, shit, the Kings are down five, Warriors hit a three, we think it's game, then the Kings come back, tie the game up, and prevail. I wonder if that's kind of a microcosm of what we're going to see in this game three, where Every time we think the Warriors are about to go on one of those 15-0, 20-0 runs that they did, Curry's hitting his threes, Clay Thompson gets wide open, hits his corner three. Um, I wonder if we just keep seeing the Kings crawl back. Because let's be real, not many people thought that the Kings would even be in this situation. Every, no one really gave them a chance in this first round. Everyone's like, oh, the Warriors are, have the best first round matchup for a lower seed, blah, 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 blah. Well, the Kings are up 2-0, and... The Warriors are missing Draymond Green. They're heart and soul defensively. He got suspended for curb stomping DeMontis Sabonis. And it's kind of funny. The Warriors are the only fan base, I think, in the entire world where you have to explain to them that curb stomping somebody is bad. Um, yeah, they have to give a, like a, a class to some Yankees fans, too. Yeah, it, exactly. all these people. It's like, it doesn't make sense to me. It's the like, Yankees yeah. fans are also Warriors fans and then also Cowboys fans. Yeah, and Duke fans. And Duke fans. Yeah, yeah so it's there's a little lineage there. I mean, hey, it makes sense that the Warriors fans are defending. Um, well, actually, no, it doesn't because Grayson Allen trips people. DeMond Simone tried to trip Draymond Green. You know what? You know where I'm getting at. But no, anyways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The game three is on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. It's a must win for the Warriors, and I expect them to win. But it really wouldn't surprise me if Sacramento just kind of stayed in there, made this a 12-round fight, and kind of made it go down to the decision. I don't think that this is going to be a blowout by any means just because yeah. of how well De De'Aaron Fox has played, how well DeMontis Sabonis played in game two. How well these guys are coming off the bench and playing. Davian Mitchell, uh, he, he's just playing excellent defense. He's That's his brand of basketball. That's, yeah. Oh, my God. I and, love Davian Mitchell from Baylor. Yeah. I mean, Harrison Barnes. These guys are stepping up and making plays, proving why the Sacramento Kings are the three seed. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if the uh, Kings went into Golden State and took one. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, they started the season hot, Stav, and best offensive in the league at one point. And, you know, they're floating around that one, two seed, uh, around the three seed as well. And, you know, they kind of just never really slowed down this season. And that's kind of why they walked into this and everybody was like, oh, the Warriors are going to do this because the Kings have been doing it all season. And, um, you know, that offense was there. They kind of lost it a little bit. And here it is right back again. And um, I just love how we have two of the best bench scorers in the league going up against each other um, night in and night out in this series between Jordan Poole and Malik Monk. It's a very fun series to watch because there's action at every single moment in time in that series. And, um, you know, it's been kind of cool to see what the reception has been like in Sacramento. And that environment is insane. And not a lot of people talk about Sacramento. So it's going to be, Cool to see what – or interesting, not cool, but interesting to see what they can do on the road because, like I said, this is a a lot of people's first times. And, you know, we could see a Harrison Barnes game. We could see a Kevin Herter game. We could see a couple of these guys that have been here before maybe throw up 20, 25 points um, just because they need that little push. And I'm not doubting De'Aaron Fox or Malik Monk. I know that they're going to get that – or go out there and do it. But like you said – Draymond, Curb Stomper, Green. Um, no, I don't. I, I don't have any hatred towards him. But yeah. not only is he out, we don't know if Demontis Sabonis is going to play because of that situation as well. Um, obviously not suspended, but when you get you know stomped in the stomach, it, it it tends to hurt and it could do some things too, especially if a professional athlete is the one that did it to you. Um, but I do want to talk a little about a, a little about a different series too. Um, I want to stay in the Western Conference for a moment in time. Stav, with the series that you were looking out for. And, you know, who, who would have guessed? 1-1 after two games. Everybody in the world could have guessed this. Between the Clippers and the Suns, um, the Clippers go out, they win uh, game one, a big one. A big one for the Clippers. Paul George out for the series. Kawhi Leonard, Stav. I mean, he is the living definition of load management, right? Yeah, 100%. And I guess we're seeing why he – was doing what he was doing all year to come back into the playoffs and put up stat lines like 38 points, five assists, five rebounds on in a block and a steal. Uh, that was an excellent performance out of Kawhi Leonard game one. And it's a very balanced attack for this Los Angeles Clippers team, especially while Paul George is out, who I want to get to that in a second. But guys like Aaron, Eric Gordon are stepping up. Uh, Zubox being a beast in the paint, getting a double double. He's gonna he's gonna do that all playoffs long outplaying, as long as they're playing. Honestly, outplaying Aiden. Yeah, a hundred percent. And Norman Powell as well. He he's a guy who's coming off the bench for them. Who's gonna give you double digits? Who's gonna be a spark off the bench to score? Terrence Mann, Bones Highland, my, uh, Plum Mason Plumley, right? Don't mind. Yeah, that's Mason. Yeah, I don't know. I I will always get those two mixed up. No, that's Mason. But um. I mean, this Clippers team, shout out to them for taking game one, but it doesn't – what irked me about the Suns team is how annoying they are in a term of they're going to play this role of I'm going to complain the entire time, and that's what kind of did them in in game one where Devin Booker was going up for a layup, gets blocked by Russell Westbrook, who I'm gonna sneeze. <laughs> who Pleasant. nice. Russell Westbrook blocks his shot, 
instead of being ready for a play, Devin Booker starts complaining to the officials, and Russell Westbrook throws a ball out of off of him out of bounds. Clippers ball. That's the game. Great play by Russell Westbrook, though. Hundred percent. He. He, Russell Westbrook's another one of those guys. It doesn't matter how bad he's shooting; he's going to be trying until the end of the game. He he doesn't he never gives up. He gives you 100 percent effort all the time. I know a lot of people don't like him or whatever, but he's the guy who I want to go to war with. Essentially, if I'm in the playoffs, backs against the wall, you got to have a hungry dog to come out there and compete. And he's a guy who's going to compete at every single given moment. I know he did put up a terrible shooting percentage. He went three of 19 in game one, but he had. Three blocks, two steals, eight assists, eleven rebounds. His scoring doesn't matter if he's doing the rest of that. And when it comes down to it, he's in the game in the last minute. He's making these winning plays, and that's what you want, especially when your second best player in Paul George is out. Yeah, exactly. And a majority of the time, it, it, I've noticed that him and Kevin Durant have been matched up against each other on both sides. You know, one guarding each other, it, and that's just been a whole different thing within itself. Where, I mean, Kevin Durant. You know, in game two, he scored 25 points. Um, Russell Westbrook, you know, you talked about how he didn't score that well. Obviously, they lost game two. He put up 28 points in game two, shot pretty efficient, 9 of 16. Um, and, you know, he his game, Russell Westbrook's game, is really about making his teammates better. And, yeah, he throws up threes. And, yeah, he throws up these weird, weird shots. And it, it just doesn't make sense at times. But – then you can see the bright side of Russell Westbrook where he's grabbing rebounds over centers and he's, I mean, throwing the ball completely down the court on an outlet pass and it's it's a dime. He does those little things, like you said, stuff that makes this team that much better. And this is honestly, the, at, at this time in his career, this is the perfect team for him to be on. Um, and, you know, when he's not feeling it, guess what? Kawhi Leonard's on your team. Um, it was a tough game, game two. Um, and I'm glad that the Suns got one at home because if they didn't, who knows what this series would be. It makes the series a lot more interesting. And I mean, just, just an outlook stop. I want a quick prediction on who we think officially is winning this series. How many games? I think the Clippers win in seven. Um, their style of play, I think perfectly combats what the Suns do offensively. I know the Suns really do have insane firepower. Chris Paul isn't that good right now. Um, he's not going to be scoring. He's going to facilitate, but he's not going to be scoring. Kevin Durant's him, but you have Kawhi Leonard to combat that. It's really going to come down to Devin Booker, and I don't consider Devin Booker an excellent playoff performer right now. I know that might sound like a hot take, but when the cards are down, Devin Booker folds. And when you have a guy like Russell Westbrook who's going to be pestering you for every single game, no matter the score, no matter what, he's going he's gonna to be – put in a situation he's going to be put in predicament that he's not used to that he doesn't like so mm-hmm. i like the clippers in seven just because of mental willpower and just because Kawhi leonard's him and, and shout out chris paul first win against scott foster all time yeah last night that, that's a big deal that's a big hump to get over and chris paul did it by obviously scoring 16 he, he had eight assists and um the 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 man of the night last night was Devin Booker and 38 points dude wasn't missing he he had his moments where you know it, it kind of reminded you of that finals run and if you can have that form of Devin Booker paired up with Kevin Durant I mean you would think that that's an unstoppable duo um but for some reason in the NBA things like that just don't work out at all times right and 
I think that this is one of those examples. I, I have the Clippers winning this in six at home. Um, and f- the reason being Kawhi Leonard is like the Terminator. Like, where was he all season? I don't – how many games did he even play this season? I don't know. He averaged like maybe 22 points a game. Um, Those are all just numbers I made up in my head. Um, But he just comes out and, you know, he's the best player on the court. And that's exactly why load management works for teams. It it may not be the best idea, but when – if they can get past this round and they have Paul George in round two – you know, we're talking about this team and they're, they're, who knows what this team could do because, you know, obviously in the Eastern Conference, um, we didn't talk about all the series, but Giannis uh, got hurt. Tyler Hero got hurt. Um, the East, like I said earlier, kind of opened up, right? The West is very difficult and there's a lot of different teams that can make it out of the West. And we have to be mentioning the Los Angeles Clippers as one of them. Uh, 100%. I have no... Um, I don't hate that at all. And the Clippers, especially Paul George, come back. He he looks fine, but I'm not a doctor. I don't know if you saw that clip. He's like warming up as if he's going to be playing in the game. I don't know why they ruled him out for this series. I wish that Paul George would play in this because it would make it a lot closer and a lot more entertaining for the viewer. But I hope he gets back and healthy, maybe for a round two appearance. Yeah. So um, I think that's going to do it, Stav, for this episode. A little bit shorter of an episode. We just want to make sure – uh, that we got something out, talk about the things that we wanted to talk about. Uh, one thing we did miss out on, though, was talking about uh, Giannis's injury. Um, and I actually, you know, stop. Let's go. Let's go like five more minutes because I want to talk about um, what we were talking about. And we'll talk about baseball on an episode soon because I want to talk about, you know, Marathon Monday, what we did. We should record uh, maybe later in the week or in the weekend. But when we were together, stop, I noticed on my Twitter, like, Everybody was talking about getting rid of the block and charge calls. Oh and god, I forgot. I just that. don't understand how that would work. That yeah, just doesn't make sense. To, like, should people get out of the way? Should I mean because if you go up for a block with John Morant, I feel like you have more of a chance of getting injured than you were too if you just step in front of him and take it. Yeah, I, I guess what those people are saying is. The offensive player shouldn't try and run into the defender, and the defender shouldn't just – they should go up for the block and not go up for the – They top. should just meet at the rim. I mean, I would love to to meet at the rim as well, but, I, I mean, that's why the restricted area is there. Yeah. It, so, like, I just don't understand, you know, how – They're not, not going to get rid of that. They're not going to get no, rid of that. This isn't baseball. We can't just, like, make the, the, the fucking bases bigger and put a runner on second base in the 10th inning. Like, this isn't, like – we're, we're not adding a four-point play. Like, this isn't the Harlem Globetrotters. We're not getting rid of the chart. That is a that is a foul. That is a foul. It doesn't yeah, make sense. getting rid of a shooting foul. Like, Basically, the reason why I want to talk for five more minutes was just to say everybody that says that is a fucking idiot. Yeah, facts. Yeah, get <laughs> like, rid of the charge. See what happens. What? It's like, oh, yeah, everybody's getting hurt from the block charge. But, like, imagine if Giannis jumped, jumped. Like, he would yeah. fall on his head. He would be upside down even if he gets the block like would you rather have him you know have somebody take a charge on him or or would you rather have him like kill somebody in midair because in midair you are completely you have no control and and you want them to go up there if i mean injuries are going to happen the best people playing the sport that they are best at injuries are going to happen it's the highest speed that you will ever see the sport played at it doesn't make sense i wanted to talk about that um because 
I just think it's idiotic. Yeah, agree. And I think we should end on that note. Yeah. With that being said, if you think, like Griff said, you're an idiot, don't be an idiot. We hate idiots here inside the pod. Yeah, and we hate the Yankees. Um, but Dude. we will come back. We will see you guys soon. We will be talking some baseball. Me and Stav went to the game that got uh, heavily delayed on Marathon Monday, but we did get to see a bit of the marathon, uh, which was cool. Got this hat which is also cool. Um, go Sox, as always. We will come back soon. Next episode should be should have some baseball in it. Um, but as always, we hope you guys enjoyed, and peace.